0: About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of pyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay for you to help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Good morning, everyone. Again, wanna say a big happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Uh, I was thinking maybe I should get you to stand. But that would be the worst gift ever. So instead, I'm just going to say Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, thanks to Ella, Annalise, and Jillian for doing our scripture reading this morning. If you have your Bibles, open to Exodus chapter 2. And we're going to be talking this morning about three challenges of motherhood. A couple things I want to say right off the top. This might surprise you, I am not myself a mom. So I will not be speaking from my personal experience today, but I do have a front row seat to seeing one of the world's most amazing moms. My wife is an incredible mother. And I also grew up under a great mom. Uh, My mom was wonderful to me when I was growing up. So I'm going to pull a little bit from that. But more importantly, I'm going to be pulling from what Scripture has to teach us about motherhood. Now, some of you this morning, you are really excited to talk about moms. That's a great thing for you. Talking about mom gives you great memories and great feelings and thoughts. But some of us, I know that mom brings up a lot of pain. Some of us today is a reminder of a mom that we've lost. For some of us, mom is not a name that's associated with something that is kind, that is caring, and that is loving. And for those of you who are still here, thank you for being here. Because as a church, we need you. You are a part of us, and I know that today was hard to come, so thank you for being here. And I, I promise, while this message will be focused on mothers specifically, it has something for all of us today. So this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, the story of Moses' mother in Exodus chapter three, and I, uh, chapter two, sorry. and I want to look at three challenges that every mom will face. Now, there are all kinds of mothers. There are biological moms, there are adopted moms, and there are spiritual moms that are here today. Spiritual moms meaning maybe you don't have children of your own, but you have people, men and women, that you have essentially adopted and you have cared for and you have looked after and poured into like a spiritual mom. This morning, if you are not a mom, you can also relate to the challenges we're going to go through, as they are ones many of us face in life. So let's jump right into it, as we again are going to Exodus chapter 2, reading in verse 1 and 2. It says this, about this time, a man and woman came from the tribe of Levi and got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. This is the totality of of, of, of the description that we get of Moses' mother. Can you notice something that's missing? Her name. See, one of the challenges of motherhood is being nameless, often being unseen. All we hear see here is just she is mentioned as his mother. We have to go through genealogies and other parts of scripture uh, later in Exodus 6 and Numbers 26 59. We see that her name was Jochebed. Some of you are like, maybe nameless was better. Jochebed was her name. I don't know if you've experienced being nameless before, but I know that most most moms have faced this. Even as a dad, I've faced this. In the last couple months, my son has gone through a gamut of birthday parties. Apparently, if you are in grade two this year, you are born between the months of March and May, and there's no options. Every weekend has been birthday parties, and when I bring him there, no one knows who I am. I am simply Judah's dad. Our natural desire as human beings is to be known, to be recognized, to be given credit, admiration, and applause. But moms, you do not always, in fact, often get these things. Thousands of sacrifices and tasks you do go unnoticed. Moms with young children this morning in particular, many of you have given up part of your previous life, whether that's careers you've put on hold, social lives that have had to change, recreational activities you've had to alter, For your children, the title of mom has come at the expense of part of your life. You may not have realized it ahead of time, but moms, each of you have had to sacrifice your name being known so that your kids can thrive and succeed. In the Gospels, we see a character by the name of John the Baptist. Now, he was called to come before Jesus. And John, before Jesus came on the scene, John had great notoriety. He was a preacher in the middle of the the wilderness, and people came in droves to listen to him. He was famous, but he realized that his life was not about him, but it was about the one who would come after him. We see this as John says this in John 3, 30, as his disciples came to him, essentially saying, Jesus is kind of getting a following, and it's starting to take away from you. John says this, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Mom, similar to John the Baptist, you do not simply live for what's seen and experienced in your own life in the here and now. If that was the case, you would simply do things for your own self-fulfillment, just to please yourself. But you are called to invest into something that will go well beyond yourself. So for all of us this morning, What is the legacy that you are building into? Moms, what you do is often unheralded, but it is one of the most immense, uh, sorry, but it is of immense significance that goes well beyond your life. And you need to be reminded that the sacrifices you make in secret, the life you pour out oftentimes without recognition, matters. It is seen and it is known. Because some of you feel very unseen and very unknown. It's funny, Pastor John has already referenced one of the scriptures I wanted to preach about this morning. But before I do, I want to talk about how mums you are still seen. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. We see the story of Hagar. And if you're unfamiliar, Hagar was brought into the family of Abraham and Sarah, who were told they would have a son. But Sarah couldn't conceive, so she came up with her own contrived idea and got Hagar, a concubine, to be able to have a son for Abraham. Not a good idea. Don't ever do that. Funny enough, it caused discourse, strife. Sarah gets jealous. Sarah eventually has her own son. We're flying through here, but it leads to Hagar being excommunicated from Abraham's clan. And we see her found in the wilderness alone, completely alone with her son. Yet she comes to have an experience with God, and she calls God by a name Elroy, which means you are the God who sees me. Moms, those days where you feel like your job is just cleaning and feeding and entertaining, where you feel so desperate to be seen, like the world is moving round and round, and you are caught standing still. No, you are not invisible. There is a God who sees you. Secondly, for those of you who feel like you are nameless and and unseen, you may also feel like you are unknown, but there is a God that knows you. As Pastor John already read from Psalm 139, 1 to 5, I'm glad he got this prepped for us. Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You know when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. That God is everywhere you are and he sees all that you do. Moms, the first challenge of motherhood is being nameless, being unseen. unknown but you need to know that you are seen and you are known number two the second challenge of motherhood and I know there's a lot more than three by the way but these are the ones we're going to look at the second challenge of motherhood is reflecting God to your kids if you are a mother this morning you need to recognize the immense privilege that you have to represent God to your children when you embrace the biblical role of motherhood you are helping your kids become acquainted with who God actually is now, there are many ways that you do this, but I want to look at four really quick this morning in how you have a chance to reflect God to your children. The first is this, and that is creating or birthing. We see in verse 2 again from our passage here that Jacobed became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Mankind is made in the image of God, yet God did not just create one kind of humankind in his image. God created both male and female, both of which reflect different aspects of who God is. Genesis 3.20 tells us that Eve became the mother of all living things. She was the first mom on earth. One of the ways biological motherhood reflects God is by, like him, being able to give birth and create life. Now, I, as I've said today, have never given birth, but I hear it's no peach. Part of the curse of sin and death that we see that comes in in Genesis is now that giving birth would come with great pain and anguish. Moms, giving birth comes with great sacrifice and cost. You don't need this to mansplain this to you. You know, there is a personal expenditure in order to provide new life. This is the same with God and His creation. God has had to endure immense heartbreak, loss, and frustration because of His creation. Birthing is a completely selfless act. See, when your child is born, they can do nothing for you, they are completely dependent on you. They don't come out of the womb to do your chores, clean your house, make you supper. Rather, you wait hand and foot on them and serve them. Those of you who are biological moms, thank you. Thank you for choosing to give birth, for choosing to give life at what was great cost to you. A second way that, moms, you reflect God to your kids is by nurturing your children. The word nurture means to take care of, to feed, To protect something or someone, especially young children, sorry, I have to laugh, or plants. I don't know what it is, moms, but why do you also like plants so much? Any dad this morning have to go to the greenhouse this weekend because you had to buy some plants? Jason, I see that depressed face. All right. Okay, sorry. Going back to especially young children and plants and help him or her to develop. Now, I want to say clearly this morning that not every mom is the same. Okay? We can't put everybody in the same basket. But in general, mums, you are by nature nurturing. Think about it this way. Think of your childhood memories growing up. For how many of us this morning, if you were hungry, who did you go to? Who taught you how to eat? Who changed your diaper? Who held you when you had nightmares? Who cheered for when you started to talk or walk or do any other type of achievement? In verse 2 of this passage, we see that Jacob looked upon Moses at his birth and she saw that he was a special baby. It is amazing how moms, you tend to see things in your kids well before anyone else. You have an innate ability to see potential within your children. Now, sometimes you also wear mom's goggles and you just think your kids are the best thing on earth which they probably are. I'm not going to argue that, especially on Mother's Day. But still, moms, you have a great ability to see things in your kids and are able to help empower them to the great call of God on their lives. You get to see the giftings that he's embedded in them and call them out. You get to see the call of God and the, and the passion that he has for their life and speak that into their lives. In verse 9, we see that Jochebed nursed Moses after giving him up. She was, he was brought back to her and was able to nurse Moses. Now the tradition of the time would be that she probably had him then until he was about three years old. In that time, no one had to teach her how to tell when he was hungry or when he needed to be changed. She developed an, an intuitive sense to know the needs of her child. The nine months of already being in the womb had an irreplaceable bond between the two. And you can imagine her life with Moses in those early years the selfless sacrifices she made in her own life to help nurture and care for her son, the countless prayers she prayed over him, the words she spoke over God's call over his life. Again, this is not to say that moms are the only ones nurturing, but the truth is, as I do think in general, moms, you are more nurturing than dads. I'll speak from my own home just to give an example of this. In our house... There is the most dreaded time of the evening and that comes at bedtime. Because my son who wants to listen to his dad preach this morning so he gets to hear about this story, my son doesn't necessarily always like to go to sleep at night. Any parents with similar battles that bedtime seems to last about 5 hours, okay? <laughs> So I used to always tell my wife I had this horrible medical condition that I developed when Judah was an infant, and it was called the 630s, because 630 was supposed to be bedtime, and at 630 I swore I was dead, and I needed to go to bed, and like I wasn't going to make it another day. By 8 o'clock I felt great, and I wanted to do a bunch of stuff. But the 630s hit me hard every night. My wife also struggled from the same fatigue Yet, when it came to bedtime, for me, when I get really tired like that, bedtime is quick. It is we say prayers, you sit down, you lie down, you go to bed. My wife, well, okay, the image isn't very good, but I'll give you a little meme here that I think captures well how bedtime is mom and dad in our household. This is kind of the difference, because moms, you have just this embedded ability to be nurturing, to be caring for your kids. One psychologist I read put it this way when it comes to how mom and dad tend to parent. Now again, this is just generalities. It doesn't mean everybody is the same. It's like saying, if you live in Edmonton, you cheer for the Oilers. Not true, okay? So your mom might have not been the nurturing one, maybe your dad was, but just in general, Okay, one psychologist put it this way, most mothers tend to follow a parenting style that has an innate ability to nurture and tend to the children. They are more tuned into a baby's specific needs than the father. Mothers are also more likely to verbalize with the children and put their children's needs over their own. This style leads to the child feeling heard, understood, and cared for. But on its own, this parenting can sometimes lead to higher dependency, less disciplined, and emotionally demanding children. Most fathers, on the other hand, adopt a stricter parenting style that focuses on child's achievements. This parenting style often focuses more on the future well-being of the child, preparing them to live in the real world as adults versus nurturing the current needs of the child. Fathers tend to focus less on the emotional needs of the child. On its own, this parenting style can be effective in instilling discipline, but without the more nurturing parent can lead to low self-esteem in a child. With that, it's an amazing balance of how a father and a mother work together. Both are made in the image of God, both love their kids, and both together help better to reflect the true nature of God. Isaiah 49.15 says this, Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Here, God uses a familiar bond between mother and her child to illustrate his bond for his kids. Why would God design mothers with this ability to bring forth life, but also to nurture it? Because in so doing, God is giving us a glimpse of himself. Like a mother who has that special bond with her child, God cannot forget his kids that he has given life to in the first place. This is the same selfless love that God wants all of us to reflect. John 13, 34 to 35, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Ephesians four thirty two. and be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. A third way that moms reflect God to their kids is by providing refuge. Jacobed fought to keep Moses safe and protected keeping him alive and safe, even when it brought danger to her own life. Again, the background of Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus 1, we see Pharaoh, the ruler over Egypt, the most powerful kingdom in the world, saw that the Hebrew people were becoming larger and larger and more and more powerful, and he was threatened by that. So he made an edict that through the land of Egypt, all Hebrew infants who were male would have to be executed. Jochebed hiding Moses and keeping him alive, was a threat to her own life. It put her own safety, because if he got caught, you can bet that there would be repercussions for that. Growing up, again, think of that idea of refuge and safety. When you were growing up as a child, where did you go where you were hurt or scared? Who did you go to? Moms, you provide a place of safety a refuge from the hardships of life. Isaiah sixty-six thirteen 13 says this, as a mother comforts her child, this is God speaking, so I will comfort you. Moms, your loving refuge helps develop in your kids the belief that there is someone who can keep them safe. There is someone that will care for them more than themselves. There is someone they can trust and rely on where they can provide a place that is free from fear. Psalms 46, one and two, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Finally, a fourth thing that moms do that reflects God to their kids is they teach. Again, you can only use your imagination to think of those early formative years that Jacob had, had with Moses. How Jochebed would try to teach everything she could to him, and we see the fruits of that later in his life is Moses knew he was a Hebrew and he was called to lead the Hebrews. She taught him who he was. She spoke God's truth and calling over his lives, his life. Moms, you have the unique challenge and calling to teach God's truth into your children's lives. Dave, I'm just getting a little reverb. Do you want me to switch mics? You okay? Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Essentially, teach his word all the time. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six speaks of a mother who is giving advice to her son. And it says this, when she speaks, her words are wise. And she gives instructions with kindness. A mother teaches all the time. She teaches her children constantly about various life lessons. Everyday things and things of eternal consequence and significance. Moms teach Throughout the day, even when they have a four-year-old that asks the 1,176 question of that afternoon, moms respond, and they do so, as it says here, with kindness, with compassion, with consistency. Moms, not just by what you teach, but how you teach. You reflect the heart and the love of God. Finally, The third challenge of motherhood that I want to look at this morning is perhaps the challenge that hits moms the hardest, and that is letting go. As my gift to all of you, and especially moms this morning, I will not be singing the song. (laughs) Exodus 2, chapter 3. But when Jochebed could no longer hide Moses, she got a basket made of pappas reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the riverbank of the Nile. Mom, some of your hearts when you read this story, I can't imagine how you feel. Again, put yourself in this situation. She takes her three-month-old son, completely helpless, defenseless. And she has to put him in a basket because she knows that's the only way he is going to survive. She had to be willing to let him go. And this is not the only time Joachim had had to do this in her life. In verse 10, because immediately after we see this great, provision. She puts him in the basket. It floats down the river. It's not caught by crocodiles or hippos or anything else. It's not taken down to a waterfall. It's gone directly to the princess as she desired and hoped. The princess takes her in and not only that, she brings her back so that she gets to nurse him for three years. But at the end of those three years, once again, she has to give her son up and let him go. But at least he is still in Egypt. At least she can still see him. He's in the same city. I'm sure she found ways to keep up with how he was doing, how he was growing, what he was learning. And Moses, as we read later, comes to the point, he knows he's called to leave the Hebrews. stands up for the Hebrew people. But in so doing, in protecting a Hebrew person from a slave driver, an Egyptian, he kills the Egyptian. And at that point, he flees to the wilderness 40 years. As God uses 40 years to prepare him for ultimately the calling that his mom knew that he had probably right from the beginning as she knew he was a special child. Once again, she had to let him go. Letting go is oftentimes the most challenging thing for a mother's heart. But we need to release our kids to allow them to follow God's plan. Which is scary. It's scary because we aren't in control of it. But church, all of us are called to do this with the people that we love most in our lives. Matthew 28, 19 is the great commission. It is the call. It is the marching orders for every single one of us who say we are a follower of Jesus. And it says that we are to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, we make disciples of all nations. But you can't do that unless you go. Parents, you need to let your kids go. Go. Moms, there is going to be points in your life where you aren't ready, but your child is. And you need to let them go and trust God. Trust him in letting them step out. Trust Him as they step out and are obedient to Him. Even if that means they're doing something that doesn't make financial sense. Even if you're not sure how it's going to work out. Even if you go, yeah, but I don't know if that's going to be the best decision for them. There comes a point where, moms, you need to let them go. And trust that there is a God that loves them as hard as it is to believe even more than you do. Because they will never fully walk into the calling that they have until we let them go into that calling. Moses ultimately was the one who led Israel out of Egypt. He stood up to Pharaoh. We see the plagues. We see the parting of the Red Sea. But none of that would have happened if he wouldn't have gone. He needed to be let go through all the hardships and the challenges and the struggles that he had. And moms, I know that you feel the heartbreak You wear the challenges your kids go through, but you have to let them go, and you have to trust God with them. I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me as we're going to close in a a word of prayer in just a moment. But I want to read this verse that I want to read as an encouragement, especially to moms, but to all of those. Again, these challenges that moms face are challenges that many of us face in other parts of life as well. These words are found in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. 58. I want to read it specifically for mothers this morning. Moms, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Even if today feels like it is. Even if this past year you go I don't know what I'm doing. Even if your kid is struggling and you go, I feel like I've messed this up. Your labor in the Lord, your consistent kindness and teaching and care and compassion and sacrifice is not in vain. I'm going to ask if you'll just close your eyes and we're going to pray. And again, we often encouraged to close our eyes, not because God doesn't hear you or doesn't speak to you if your eyes are open. He does. But many of us just get distracted. And I just want to lead us in a a word of prayer. Lord, we want to honor our moms today. I first want to pray for those who today was a very difficult day and coming to church was a bit scary because they knew that we were going to talk about moms and that's painful for them. For those of us who are just feeling lost today, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a great comforter. And I pray that you would comfort hearts today. For those of us who just have immense pain to the point of anger, because even this morning, everything that was spoken about what a mom should, could be, is the exact opposite of what's been experienced. God, thank you that you have provided people in those lives. To come along and to care and to show these aspects and reflect these aspects to them. But I pray today that you would give counsel and special courage and healing where there's needed, Lord, and just hurt hearts today. Lord, I thank you for our moms. And we just want to honor them. If you're standing with your mom, I encourage you just to put your hand on them as we pray. And I just pray a blessing, God, right now over our moms who have oftentimes lived nameless lives behind the scenes, God, who have given of themselves, for those especially who today and this year, they feel very unknown and unrecognized, I pray today just your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, in a very real and tangible way, and their hearts can make them know that they are seen and they are known. May you just fill them with your love. Lord, may they receive the encouragement and admiration they need for the work that they've done. Lord, I pray that you can empower them. Thank you for those moms who have given birth, who have created. Thank you for the sacrifice they've given. Lord, thank you for those who have reflected you, God, by the way that they have been nurturing, that they have provided refuge. God, who have taught us And in so doing, we've seen the heart and character of God. And Lord, where they have fallen short at times, thank you that your grace covers that. And even for those who feel today may be convicted that they don't think they've done that well, can you remind them, God, that you filled in the gaps. And I pray that they'd be free today just to fully walk in the calling of their lives. God, for those moms today who maybe they are very in a real place of that having to let go, maybe it's a particular stage with their kids, that they're having a hard time, can you remind them that you love their kids even more than they do? I just pray, God, we pray for your blessing, your encouragement, Lord, Lord, and just your abundant strength, endurance, and love for our moms. We pray this now. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Amen.